uh christian it's been it's been a fucking minute since i've talked to you um it's been many minutes many minutes i i wouldn't want to even try to calculate the number of minutes because it would be too many for me to calculate how many days are in a how many minutes are in a day we can probably Ah, figure this out what's 60 times 24 isn't that like something that we should (laughs) we should like how many minutes are just in a day? Like not even in a week, in a couple days, 24 times 60. See, I used to shit on that rent show all the time, or the rent movie, but because the, they have that like 526,600 minutes. Uh, it is. Like you, you'll you always song. know how much time is in a fucking year. But anyway, what did you figure out? Sorry. Uh, f- 1440, 1440 minutes in a day. I feel like we could have done that math if we just didn't immediately gr- run to the technology to do it for us. That's not that much. Right. You would just be doing 24 times six and then a zero at the end. We're bad people. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, so many minutes. I'm not going to then translate that because I don't know when we last recorded. But last time we did record, I'll say this. We recorded uh, in, in person in the same room. You were sitting two feet to my right, which I'm pointing at. No one else can see. And we did episode 99 together. We did like, what, three episodes when you were here in L.A.? Uh, yeah, we did. We did. And we we had planned to do episode 100, but for whatever reason, it did not work out. I think that like both of us have been like putting it off too, just for the fact that it's episode 100 and we wanted to do something special. But then it's just like, eh, you know, too much work. Yeah. And I feel like the ethos of this podcast, for me anyway, is like how little work and effort I put into it is, is sort of the joy, you know, for me. I want to know when we started getting obsessed with round numbers like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Episode like 19 is as like, significant to me as episode right. 100. Like, like, why don't we bestow the same amount of importance on episode 78? Seriously. Yeah. And I don't know. And I feel like it's just some bullshit thing that happened in the past at some point. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess we, we don't have like a $79 bill, you know, we have a $100 bill and that's where you put Franklin. Okay, but see that, but that's us adhering to the idea of simplifying things, right? Like five, 10, 20, like things that are divisible within itself, which is like, we were talking about the metric system a little bit earlier. Why haven't we just gone full on board with that? Because it's like, well, we already understand the concept as it applies to currency. Why wouldn't we be able to suddenly figure this out when it comes to distance? But we have to warp our our American children's minds into believing that everything has to be divisible by 12 instead of 10, (laughs) but also 10 at the same time. And it's like, why, why do we have to make it so confusing? Which, like, by the way, I like that as Americans, what we constantly do is shit on the British who who are, you know, are our ancestors. Yet we keep their metric of some random fucking British king who is like, my foot, that's it now. You know, and they build houses according to a king's foot. What the fuck are we doing? I, I couldn't tell you. And like also like but like at the same time, we had to like get away from the British and like invent a bunch of new ways to spell the same words that we already had. You know, like that was the whole point of Webster. Is he's like, hey, fuck the British. I'm spelling favorite different. I'm spelling color different. I'm taking the use out of everything. But they have the better spelling. I feel like th- we lost that battle. Like if that was the divorce battle and the Brits got to keep all the U's, they fucking won. I feel like, you know, like the U's are going to go to college. The U's are going to take care of the Brits when they're old and need caring for. The, the U's are classing up the place, you know, they're, they're, oh. they're, put, they're putting a little perfume on, on the stink of, of the modern <laughs> language, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I find that really fascinating. Some things that are like antiquatedly American that we, that we won't kind of move forward on. Yeah, I had like, this, you know, well, go ahead. Trying to overthrow the government, things like oh, that. Oh, well that's as British as, uh, <laughs> fish and chips. Hey, eh? <laughs> I was trying to think of what apple pie was, but for Brits, it's yeah, fish I mean, and I fingers and mash. 
desserts. Do, do they even like eat dessert over there? Or is it all just horrible, savory dishes? Well, see, that's interesting. My wife's been watching that Great British Bake Off thing, and I have succumbed uh, to it. I've succumbed yeah. to it. I'll, well, I'll tell you why. That, that's what happens with cooking shows, man. I'm not judging you. Right. You well, she's gone crazy. She's watching yeah. a bunch of different cooking shows now, but that's the one that I've I've watched. I like it for a couple of reasons. Number one, everyone's very British, uh, which you might think from the Great British Bake Off. But I just mean that, like, if this show, the reason I stayed away from the show for so long was because if this was done in America, which they have an American, great American Bake Off, by the way, never which, watched it, never going I mean, to. Does anybody watch that? Does anybody I've never heard that? anyone do. I just know that they have it. Um, right. And the reason I like it, though, is like if it was an American show, it would be a show about a bunch of conniving assholes who are just like trying to get one up on their opponents. But in the Great British Bake Off, it's like motherfuckers are like, drop me dough. And then they're like, you can have some of mine. And everyone just helps. Everyone's so fucking lovely and amazing. And you're like, God, this is the great society that Maggie Thatcher shot in its fucking crib. Like we could have done it. Yeah. And, you know, like the American version is probably like, I dropped my dough. And someone's like, yo, go fuck yourself. Go fuck your dough. Because like if you've ever like watched like the the Gordon Ramsay American shows versus the British shows, there's some great like cuts on YouTube, like Kitchen Nightmares in America. He's like, you fucking donkey. This is disgusting. And then like in the British one, he's like, all right, we're going to talk about your business. Like, tell me where you're at financially. Like, let's talk about it. Do you think he is happier being in America? He's the one Brit who's just like, you know, like when I, when I found America, I found fucking home. I get to scream and cuss as much as I want. Like (laughs) doesn't have to be like a polite member of society. Like, yeah or anything he can let his full scottish rage out i don't know you, you, what's so weird to me though is is that idea of civility and, and british civility at that because we've i perceive them i'll use my statements that they are like classier than us that they keep calm and carry on all that shit but i've seen the house of commons okay and i've seen that that's a madhouse like every time i think our politics is fucked up like i look right. at how they handle shit which is literally anytime anyone stands up to speak everyone just starts screaming and you can't understand anything <laughs> And I'm like, maybe they're not as evolved or maybe that maybe they're super evolved. They keep it all in those fucking chambers, you know? Right. Yeah. Because like all the other times they're just like super mannered and they're just stuffing it down with some brown and they're just like, you know, in that pub <laughs> life and like keeping calm and carrying on. But in the House of Commons or whatever, like they're letting that shit out, you know, they're, they're, they're getting out there. They're fucking like getting all of their aggression out. So that when they go home, they don't they don't take it out on their kids. They don't take it out on, on the wife or the husband, you know? Right. Do you that, think probably <laughs> you hope do you think that it's a situation where as much as they resent us they also want to be us like i have to think British. that yeah like, why Why would they resent americans at this point you think well or, i mean why i think they resent us because we're the yanks and we we have the air of superiority which they used to have by the way my favorite thing in the world is that the british try to pretend like they weren't complicit in all of the same bullshit that america has been complicit in like throughout history and so i so that cracks me up like you know slavery colonialism oh yeah you name it the whole bag they practically invented it black does it freak you out to think that like when rush hour came out the movie rush hour opens on Mm. the day that the british seed control back to the chinese that's fucking insane to me (laughs) like that's 
specific fact that you know. Why do you know this fact? <laughs> because I've seen that so many times as a kid. And I was always like, wait, you're telling me that the British owned China at some point? Just because, again, like as a kid, geographically, it makes sense for some countries to own other countries purely on landmass. Like if Russia owned everything, I'd be like, that makes sense. If you told me China owned England, I'd be like, well, just scans. China's big. But like it never made sense to me that England had China and India, they gave both of them up in like the same six month period, I believe it was like 97 or 98. And so uh, I think about that all the time. We're like in our lifetimes, the British were still super complicit in the whole colonialism thing. And it's not like they left because it was the right thing to do. I think they just got pressured geopolitically to like fuck off finally, you know? Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's, I guess how it fucking goes. Like what, what is America doing at this point uh, on the world stage? What do we own? That's kind of fucked up. We have Guam. Guam. PR, uh, uh, American Samoa, PR. Oh God, American Samoa, those poor people. Because like, it's, it's in their name, American yeah. Samoa. You're like, that's gotta be a slap in the face. Like at least Hawaii was called the Sandwich Isles and shit. You know what I mean? Like it had a completely it separate like name. Statehood, right? Like they got yeah. some representation. Yeah, which we still don't have in PR, which is like a, a sad thing. But I wonder yeah. if like we're we're gonna start reneging on that altogether. Cause we were talking about Antarctica, like Antarctica is this owned thing. Everyone agrees, like, hey, we all own this, so therefore none of us own it. And it's this thing we all agree upon. I cause I'm thinking, like, shouldn't that be like the moon or Mars? Like Well, <laughs> here's here's my question though. Like, okay. if someone were to invade Antarctica, would anyone notice for like a while? Like if China just moved up in there. And they just started building houses and like, you know, this is going to melt in a few years and it's going to be prime real estate. Let's just get some plots of land down now. You're asking what we know. Yeah, yeah. The international community would know because satellites, it'd be like, like everything, like, like satellites have been doing the same thing since like the Cuban missile crisis where it's just like cut to, and it's like the situation room and it's like Dr. Strange love. There's like fucking continents and shit there. And they throw down yeah. some photos of satellites and like, you know, like, sir, the Chinese have moved on Antarctica. I, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like my, my confidence in, like, the global intelligence community is kind of shaken lately. You know, like, uh, my belief in, like, the sturdiness of our institutions kind of uh, isn't what it used to be. We haven't talked since the fucking Capitol riot happened, and I'm not trying to make this about that. Oh, yeah. Well, today, if we want to uh, peek behind the curtain, today they're doing the first day of, like, the, uh, the second impeachment trial. So maybe this is the time to talk about it, sir. Let's hear it. I mean, I, I just I, I think that we're living more less in like a, a born identity universe and more in a burn after reading universe. I was that so is. hoping you said born legacy universe on <laughs> the Jeremy Renner born films. And I was like, yeah, yeah. We, he yeah, fights a wolf in that movie. No, you talked about it at length on this podcast. <laughs> um yeah uh, uh impeachment's happening today how you feeling about that impeachment you excited you hoping hoping it goes well you got yeah i mean i no i don't hope anything because i know it's not going to like that's the thing people have already signaled whatever i mean i think there was a real moment when when the capital riot thing happened which by the way i went to the dentist just want to throw that out there i went to the dentist everything was fine. They were confirming the votes. And then when I got back, <laughs> like there was a riot at the Capitol. And this was only like an hour time frame. I went there. They're like, hey, you're all good. All right, fuck off. And I came back home and everything had changed. That really freaked me the fuck out. So I really thought when that happened, and I remember uh, Rick, Rick, good old Rick Santorum trying to sit there and 
and and try to like spin a, a tale about how everyone was going to like, I think you're underestimating what this does for Republican morale. Republicans are going to stand up now and really say we don't support this. And then all of them basically immediately support exactly <laughs> that. And now we have joined forces and we are one collective American party, which I'm all about. I'm really like happy with the track that our country is taking. And like that conservatives have basically like thrown in the towel and said, hey, you know what? Your Dems are right. This has gone too far. If they did that, my head would actually fucking explode. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I wouldn't be able to register that uh, right. logical decision making from the Republicans. As opposed to like Josh Hawley on the fucking day, like after his life had been threatened, after Mike Pence's life had been threatened, uh, saying like, hey fucking dems did this shit too or matt gates saying like yeah this was antifa by the way uh fucking <laughs> facial recognition software picked up that this was totally the democrats the whole time yeah this piece of shit yeah i mean like i don't even know how to engage with that just because like and i'm not trying to make this too heady or heavy or whatever but like we all talk about the reichstag building or whatever and that's become this political short shorthand to describe mm -hmm. false flag and like uh, operations and things where you the wool's being pulled over your eyes and and how you can't trust your government and shit like that and that was credible when it happened though and like all of these things people trying to fly under the same auspices of that situation but it's not true um but they don't expect anyone's gonna fact check it i've been keeping up with that thing you sent me that parlor watch thing on reddit oh, it is yeah. both the greatest thing i've ever read in my life and simultaneously like scares the shit out of me I've, I've fallen off of it a little bit. It gives me some measure of joy and comfort just to see how stupid these people are mm -hmm. and how much regret some of them have. Like some of their confidences were really shaken after like they didn't successfully overthrow the whole government. And Q is like proven to be maybe not 100 percent, you know, uh, fucking the Nostradamus that he or she claimed to be. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's all it's all like this fucking thing where like one, we're making a big to do about nothing. I, I know that we want to like, Oh, we're America and we're exceptional. We've been here for like 250 years. Like we, we're, we're, we're blank in the eye of geopolitics. If we're being completely honest, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I don't think there's anything to really get riled up about and think like, Oh, we're the greatest, you know, not like I mean we, like where, where does that lie come from though like like where is it really like what period of american history were we really like just the shit was it just like after world war ii up until <laughs> the vietnam war like was it just like a 15 year 20 year period i think the reason we get props i think we were the first government to willingly cede power and that's probably not true. There's probably fucking African nations or Aboriginal tribes in, in New Zealand who did the same thing for fucking thousands of years and never got credit for it. But, you know, I think we were the first people to be like, Washington's like, oh, no, fuck it. Here you go, John Adams. Bye. And like walked out of there. You know what I'm saying? And I think that blows people's minds. That's a great idea that America had, uh, because if you look at it historically, the French follow suit like what eight years later or something like that. Right. They get their revolution yeah. on and shit like that. So I think it's like, oh, we ushered in democracy. Never mind the fact that the Greeks did democracy fucking 2000 years before that. But we did it, you know. So we right. like to pat ourselves on the back about that's what's great about America. The truth is America is very rarely great our ideals that we once every 50 years seem to live up to th those are pretty great but it's like other than that i don't get it nothing we've made is going to stand the test of time um 
like e- even architecturally like i every time it's been nice to see dc a lot more like because of the inauguration and shit like that and like oh i grew up there and i was too young to really appreciate all the architecture and stuff like that but it's really really pretty and i'm like that's not going to stand the test of time that all of this shit i've read this thing all of our buildings in america are like got a hundred years on them <laughs> like without extreme maintenance or rebuilding and shit like that nothing we built is it's it's such an analogy for america it's all plastine you know what i'm saying it's it's uh, all it's all facade it's all it's all you know uh, fairy dust or whatever mcconaughey Mm -hmm. said in wolf of wall street um like this is like recalling like a weird fact that i just recently learned about hitler because i've been watching like a lot of world war ii era movies uh wish i had a button that played a little fun fact about hitler jingle well, uh, apparently, like the Nazis, like specifically built um, buildings back in the day uh, that would leave behind beautiful ruins. Like that, they were built with the intention of, like, in two, three, four, five hundred years, these would still be around, like the fucking you know Parthenon or whatever. Um, but then we like went and purposefully and intentionally and systematically blew the fuck out of those buildings until they were like wiped off the face of the earth. But like as like a lasting symbol of the Nazi empire or whatever, like that was the intention. And it's like America doesn't do that shit. I guess we got the Empire State Building, but like that that's on its that way too out. is not gonna lie. I'm the, telling you, that's the, a sad the bridges thing. that we have, like they're on their way out. Like most of the bridges in New York are ready to collapse within the next like couple of decades if yeah. we don't Oh, Veranzano's fucking done. Veranzano needed to be replaced like 10 years ago, and they have not really figured out what they're going to do with that. But um, no, I think about that all the time. I think that's what's really interesting. Ah, Fuck, I hate to give Nazis credit. I know I've said that real thing before, but like, let's let's talk about two cool Nazi things for just for a second. okay? like I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. They didn't they didn't unlike us, unlike the civilized Americans, they didn't go after things that were like amazing right like Mm. they might have bombed paris if the french didn't roll over sure but they didn't bomb canterbury bomb london to shit didn't bomb canterbury right because the architecture was so beautiful that it would be a shame to do that or whatever and then they had shit they had ruins that were gonna like 500 years in the future there would just be like an ozymandias poem about a fucking swastika sticking out of the sand like that's right. a baller move. I'm sorry to say, I don't agree with their principles or their ideology, but goddamn. Yeah, well, they they wanted those future Nazi generations to look upon the great ruins of the Nazi temples that Hitler had built and go, "Hey, that was great that we did that back then." You know, <laughs> like we really we really nailed it. Can I talk some shit? This is like a little bit of a swerve, but it's it's tangentially related, which is like I got really obsessed the other day about the seven wonders of the world, and then I realized like. That's all kind of bullshit. The seven wonders of the world, we have one left. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, and I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be like, well, it happened before my lifetime. Taj Taj Mahal? No, that's a modern, that's a modern wonder. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. the seven wonders of the ancient world, rather. I'm sorry. Uh, The only one that's still around are the pyramids. And by the way, pyramids as a structural idea Mm -hmm. should be more ubiquitous in our goddamn society. You know why? Because they don't fall. They are right. there. They are literally meant to stand the test of time. Go look at the fucking pyramids that are still there. Uh, they're not going to go away. They think thousands and thousands of more years. Like they're, they're not. They're not top heavy. Blade Runner had it right. You know. 
They're not top heavy. And I think it's, it, it goes to their credit. And then I was thinking like, so I started looking up pyramids at one point, apparently some cult in Atlanta made pyramids and like, they're still there. And I'm like, Oh shit, that's cool to look at. You know, there's that place in Memphis that has uh, has, has a pyramid, whatever, but it's not something you see ever. And it makes me upset because in theory, pyramids are spacious as fuck. And two, like are the best bet. If you want to make sure your thing's going to be there a thousand years from now, and we've abandoned it. Yeah, I mean, like, our architecture just, like, started trending towards, like, phallic imagery for some reason. Like, everything has to be a fucking skyscraper situation, which is going to topple over in a few years. Like, what, what are we doing, Christian? What's interesting about that, Campbell says that we did that on purpose, right? If you look back at the ancient world, the things that were the largest were the places of worship, right? Because they were the power centers of the government, right? You know, we talk about separation of church and state now. Maybe another good thing about America, except we don't do it very often. But the idea is we're supposed to do that, right? Back in the day, you would have the, the tallest things be these large cathedrals because not only were they the political powerhouse, they were also the economical powerhouse. When that shifted, when the new world happened, when America happened, right? Like we started building skyscrapers because the financial districts were the things that ruled everything that, that, you know? that we worshipped. No, yeah, yeah, seriously, I think that's. I mean, I find that fascinating. I really do. I mean, not as fascinating as how there are six other wonders that aren't here but get equal footing with the pyramids. Like, if I'm the pyramids, I'm petitioning like to to get like uh like a seventh wonder emeritus status or something because it's still fucking around. It deserves to like be able to wear elbow patches and go teach a class whenever it wants, but right. like to grow out like a fucking like. <laughs> post midlife uh, goatee or something right, right a little soul patch wear a beret like why the fuck not yeah. it's earned the right but meanwhile let me yeah, you seen these cool. hanging gardens of alexandria no you mm -hmm. sure haven't like uh, you seen the colossus of Rhodes? get fucked no you haven't they were gonna rebuild one which like listen here who is that the italians maybe italians make it happen like what are we doing build another because that's the thing about lost and game of thrones that i really loved <laughs> that they had the colossus statues at some point and right. that's like something we kind of went away from but how cool would it be to see a a, a statue the size because you live in new york statue of liberty is beautiful it's like this great thing to see in the harbor especially because like you you get this the most beautiful thing about new york is like you'll walk down a street you've never walked before and suddenly it's this thing you've seen a billion times in a slightly different way it's amazing now imagine if like there was one port into the like the panama canal uh and and at the front of the panama canal it's just this giant fucking a thousand foot statue just looming large you can see it for miles and miles the most badass thing in the world but we've abandoned it because we have no more showmanship max that's the problem we're not trying to be showy anymore we need like another world's fair well, I mean, you know, uh, is this not just like the the fucking like uh, the the problem with capitalism right now, or, or like would you blame it on capitalism that that like everything that we build is uh, kind of destined to be uh, obsolete in a few years or whatever? Like, like we're we're just kind of building for disposability, and like it's sort of like the the natural turnaround of commerce that's like driving like this architectural uh, fucking decline. If that was the case, then we, we would need to acknowledge that it's a cultural rot that eventually leaves us with nothing, which we won't do. You know what I'm saying? And that's what kind of breaks my heart about it, because I agree with you. It's like we can we can fathom that on a smaller scale. We can fathom that with our cell phones. I buy a cell phone. Yeah. I know in one year that cell phone's going to be fucking obsolete. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's. Yeah fine but we don't do, do that remember, with larger things by the way do you remember when you could like replace the battery on your cell phone and make it last for a few more years and now, <laughs> like, that's not a thing you are allowed to do anymore 
Yeah. I mean, but on any of them, I mean, we always talk about like the Microsoft versus Windows or just anything versus um, Apple rather. Mm-hmm. And it's just like Apple's end to end thing where like you can't control anything. You can't open her up. And it's just like that used yeah. to be an Apple thing. And now I think yeah, everyone's moved to that. Standard. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Like once Apple does something that makes life shittier, everybody has to do it. Like, <laughs> oh, let's get rid of the headphone jack. Now everybody's doing it. It's like I miss the days when I could just plug in my bulky headphones into my phone without getting a dongle to put into the USB-C right. port, you know? Is that too much to ask? Well, I just think like... Uh, you know, listen the, to Beastie Boys without having to worry about it, you know? <laughs> uh, well, because here's the thing. It's like, and this is how fucked up. Like when people ask, oh, which what's one, capitalism or communism, right? It's a joke to even ask that question. Because even like the largest communist country is like a manufactured powerhouse for capitalism. And we borrow money from them to participate in capitalism. And it's made from a communistic country. And I'm sorry if that went to Ouroboros there. But I'm just like, it's an insane thing to think about where we're like, this is all a house of cards. Like we're aware of this, right? Like, or, or maybe it's a house of cards, like with super glue. I don't know. Maybe it's never going to fall because it's too big to fail sort of deal. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's largely the point is that like we continue to pave over our past with like something new. So like, mm-hmm. as soon as something is obsolete, we replace it. So we don't ever think about it. We, we have a shorter and shorter memory as time goes on. So like, maybe we'll just continue replacing or like, maybe that's the hope is that like, you just continue replacing shit and you don't think about it and nothing ever really collapses until it does until it co- like everything collapses i think that's yeah. the thing it'll be this like um circuital fucking chain uh, chain reaction where like yeah. everything is going to go at once and that's the problem but all well, i'm saying is more pyramids you know what i'm saying like we could avoid <laughs> this with pyramids if we just if we were brave enough to do that so like what would we even put in the pyramids just like a verizon and like a couple of fucking uh, everything yeah <laughs> you rent out space based on what it is so you put an amazon on the bottom right mm-hmm. and then above that you put like i don't know what's like a like a, like a, like a, like a walmart would distribution this like, center would like, this be like a self-sustaining like city type situation like a, a gated community but it's a pyramid where you just have everything in there you have your uh, amazon you got your grocery store you got your apartments you know why not like we we are rapidly approaching and we talk about judge dread like mega city one and shit like that like you know whatever maybe not not in the next 20 years or whatever but like i would say in the next 100 years that's like a thing we're gonna have to deal with and it's gonna have to be what's the most efficient use of space because it's not well i guess we've talked about this before too it's not like we're hurting for space we just decide to pack ourselves into very small locations right yeah, we, we just have like these urban environments and that's that that's where it's at. Um, I've been playing a uh, cyberpunk 2077. Hell yeah. You, you have a bit. Yeah, and yeah. the thing about that game uh, is that it's like really not terribly far fetched. A lot of it, you know, um, that's that's fucking scary, man. They got their mega buildings and the fucking poverty and just capitalism run amok. You know, corporations have bought up entire patches of land and taken over governments and stuff. I think I would have done well in that world. You think you would have done well? My problem is this. I came too early or too late, depending on who you ask. Okay. Okay. I would have done great in the future. I would have done even better as a cowboy. Uh, Uh Like lawlessness. Interesting that there's like a a crossover in that Venn diagram of cowboy and like fucking future cybernetic um, 
victim of capitalism. Of course, of course, there. I mean, because that's all it really was about. I just need, I need lawlessness, is what I'm finding out. Right. I would have done great as an outlaw. And what I'm saying is that when there is that structure, that like uh, capitalism run amok structure, there's always going to be the shadow runners or the fucking uh, mirrors edge lady whose name I forgot. <laughs> and right. there's always going to be the the, the you little. Just want band. to be a gunslinger. You want to be able to like go into a store yes. or go to a vending machine and just get a gun and just take up contracts and hunt bounties and fucking why not me not not be hassled yeah give me one reason why that couldn't be me that's all i'm saying what reason i mean like i i hope that that gets to be you one day who knows i hope so too i uh hey with a with the fucking biden in the white house come on we're on the it's possible yeah let's make it let's make it happen i uh I did an edible the other day and then said, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to Waylon Jennings, which I've never done before. I know like one Waylon Jennings song and I really like it. Um, But then I put this album on and I got way too high and way too into this album. And then I was just like, I kept running into the next room be like, Dolores, do you know this? And I know Dolores tries to pretend like she's some cultured broad or whatever, but like raised by deeply Southern women and grandmothers who adored Waylon Jennings. So every song I'm coming into, she's like, is this, 30 years old for me, but I'm glad right. you're discovering it. And you hit me up one day and I'm like, God damn it. I'm just trying to pretend I'm a cowboy. I'm listening to Waylon Jennings and like you were delivering bad news to me. Um, but then, so like I, I went down this rabbit hole and I started like reading stories about outlaw country and you know me, I'm not like a huge country guy. I like Willie Nelson a lot and some Johnny sure. cash and stuff, but Holy shit. First of all, Republicans, the law and order what are we talking about you idolize willie nelson and waylon jennings like these guys were just like picking fights with cops and doing cocaine in front of soldiers and shit and didn't give a fuck about it it's the most amazing thing in the world do you ever think about not to bring it back to politics but do you ever think about like what it must be like to be a republican where like you have no like pop culture touchstones (laughs) that aren't tarnished by like liberalism in some way like almost all of them would not be like would not gel with conservatives modern republicanism yeah. yeah totally i mean that's what i kept thinking the whole time specifically just willie nelson and waylon jennings and i'm yeah, just like totally. it's funny because willie nelson we already know is sort of on the liberal side like he was like pot legalization fucking years ago like the first yeah. couple states were largely willie nelson putting an inordinate amount of money and support into those causes so for me, it's amazing that they're talking about all this, but the fucking stories, man, I, I found this thing called Tales from the Tour Bus, which is Mike Judge. Uh, he did this thing where he animated like all the old road guys who were with them. And it starts off and it's so fucking like Southern and badass. And I love it where he's just like, uh, people ask is me why. Like the King of the Hills style animation. Like yeah, a little that? bit. Yeah, yeah. And they're talking to like the manager of Waylon Jennings or whatever. And he's like, people ask why I haven't written a book about the Waylon Jennings years. And I'm like, not as long as my mama's alive. And the other one's like, yeah, that's that's it right there. And it's just like these two oldest fuck people who then tell these tales about Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash and stuff like that. Number one, Waylon Jennings started off with Buddy Holly. I didn't know this. Like not not a not a southerner. I mean, he was from Texas, but wasn't like a crooner. wasn't a honky tonker. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. He was actually with Buddy Holly the night Buddy Holly died. He got, drew the short stick and had to take a bus to the next gig where Buddy Holly and two other dudes got to take the plane. And yeah. the last thing he said to him was like, he's like, God damn it, you played better than me today. I hope your bus freezes. And he's like, yeah, well, I hope your plane crashes. And the fucking plane crashed. And I'm like, holy shit, Waylon Jennings wishing death on people. 
is directly to blame for the death of well he thought so he kept telling people that he was the reason but he was also doing a lot of drugs at this time like that's the other interesting thing do you you think that he just misremembered that he just like wanted to like like, the details are some fuzzy but i think i killed him you know like uh so there's that story there's this other story about like okay so at some point waylon jennings wanted to get cocaine and he found the best way to do that instead of scoring locally in nashville or whatever was to just get it from new york directly and so he had someone send a kilo in the mail back in the day where you could just send kilos of shit through the mail like it's no problem um Mm -hmm. And so he gets it and, and they bring it in and, and he's on the other side, you know, recording booths, there's the dude behind the booth with all the, the levers and shit like that, the levels. And then he's actually inside the studio. He's like laying down a track. Right. And then all of a sudden, like five minutes after they bring it in, they bring it into him. The drugs are with him. Fucking cops bang on the door and knock in. And the producer, the guy who's engineering the record session just like turns around and puts his elbow on the like mic button so he can hear what's going on in there. And all Waylon hears is just like, we got reports of a uh, uh, drug cocaine blah 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 he's like listen here you want to you got a warrant you can check whatever you want if you don't know how to warrant this cost me 250 dollars an hour you see i gotta lay down this track and so so waylon jennings is just like losing his goddamn mind trying to find a place to like hide this and then the guy's like i gotta go change this mic out you're welcome to stay here so he goes inside there's like a small blind spot where waylon jennings is actually laying down the track and then waylon points behind the amp where the drugs are and the guy puts it in his fucking pants goes back in with the cops like the the owner of the studio who's had a bunch of problems with Waylon Jennings for drugs comes in. He's like, God damn it. I've told you where are these damn drugs? And like, it all culminates into this thing where like, they're about to like slam Waylon Jennings into the, the corner and his manager has all this drugs and is flushing it down the toilet at this, this exact moment. Um, last one. Can I tell you one more? It's amazing. It's about Johnny cash. Yeah. Johnny cash and Waylon Jennings. Good friends. One day they had a bender. They come home at five o'clock in the morning and Johnny cash is like, I'm going to make some biscuits and he's all dressed in black and decides he's making biscuits and just fucking flour everywhere. Okay. And they are both fucked up on uppers. Like they are just like scatting and shit like that in the kitchen. And then he, he starts to come down and he's run out of pills. Waylon Jennings just bought a new Cadillac and he is convinced that Waylon Jennings has hid a bunch of pills behind the dash of his new Cadillac. So Johnny Cash goes out there, tries to open the door. It's not open. He just grabs a brick, breaks the window of the car, <laughs> goes in there, like breaks the entire dashboard. There's no fucking pills. It was in like the light socket inside the room or something like that. So my point is this, like you hear, wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait. go ahead. Had they finished making the biscuits? Oh, no. Yeah. Like, Waylon's fucking passed out somewhere. Yep, they're, <laughs> like, they're, like, midway through, just gave up on that. And the biscuits. Apart the... <laughs> and that's my point. You hear a story like that, and I'm like, where's that Walk the Line sequel? Like, that is a way more interesting movie than, like, oh, he was on pills, and they had to kick him. Fuck that. I'm sure Johnny Cash was way more fun on pills. Well, I'm also, saying. like, the, the story of how the way he tells it, which is probably total bullshit self-mythologizing or whatever is that he crawled inside of a cave and like <laughs> kicked the habit he stayed there for days and like just jesus fucking yeah. wrote it out white knuckled it and then emerged uh, a man free from drugs mm. uh out of the cave one day he just found a fucking cave somewhere in the south just a mystical place and it's like why why couldn't we get that scene why do we get got to get joaquin phoenix just being like well june i fucking love you even though you won't date me or whatever for like two hours and then eventually she goes all right fine 
That was she that puts her movie. on the spot, by the way. Like, let's talk about how problematic that movie is, like, or that time period was in general. Right. <laughs> he just puts her on a spot in front of thousands of strangers who are liable to kill a woman for saying no in the, at the time, by the way. And right, right. It's a weird fucking yeah. movie. I feel like I, more, than, more than once he puts her in a weird public position. And then eventually she's like, all right, fine. down by the yeah, excessive. It's, it's not like something she really wants to do the way it plays. It's just more like she's like, all right. Like it's but a- it's romantic, right? Like I've heard that all the time. I had a friend growing up whose father literally stalked his mom. Hmm. But hey, happily ever after, I guess it's all good. And I'm like, that's not a good story. You should not tell people that story. Well, well, that that was like a common, you know, thing that was even like a, that's been a trope, like up until this recent kind of new uh, conversation that we've been having about pop culture or whatever in general. And the stories that we tell is like this whole like, oh, you know, you just keep on trying. Never give up, son. Never give up. <laughs> you know, like I even remember like as, as recently as like the fucking office where like Michael Scott is talking to Jim uh, about Pam and Pam is like an engaged woman. And Michael's like engaged ain't married never ever give up and i feel like the show was on his side right (laughs) like all the time michael would say something and there was very clearly this line in the sand where it was like he's an idiot do the opposite of what he says not this time this is one of the few sobering moments where it was treated like michael scott knew something about life and women despite every other interaction in the show proving that that's not the case and, you know, and then Jim just had to, like, go and win Pam over and they turned into the douchiest power couple uh, until <laughs> history. So, like, there you go. I wish there was actually power in that couple, though. That's the thing. Like, yeah, they're right. a power couple because with the people like them. But imagine if they actually had, like, if he became the manager after Michael and then and she became like a Jan type, uh, you know, that'd be different. That's a different show. Like, let me watch that version of the show where she like loses her fucking mind. <laughs> but over over three seasons or so where it's earned it feels earned (laughs) why not me why not me i should be writing stuff yeah that's well i mean aren't you though aren't you yeah well let's talk about this for a second which is like uh, one of the reasons that we took a break i i will own some of it which is like profound depression nosedive and i didn't want to do anything for a minute but also we uh, can we announce this officially i know it's still in its crib sort of but like if we're on a second draft and it's I have all the plans to do it. So I think maybe we should just say this. We're working on an animated pilot together uh, from an idea that I sort of brought to you and that we fleshed out together. And it's like, your pages are so fucking good. Uh, and so we're on the second draft of what we're calling horse cops. And it's as stupid as it sounds, but also as brilliant as it sounds. Think about it. Horse cops. You have so many questions. I know Max did. Um, and so we've been writing that. And it's like interesting because, yeah, we're not. You know, so often this podcast is us talking about stuff and this is like, oh, now we're actually in the throes of doing something. You have something to say. I'm sorry. Very very excited about that. But I do want to ask you a question is like when we eventually pitch this, because that's the idea behind it is that it's like something that we can like bring to a network or somebody to pitch it. Um, Are are you going to pull like a James Cameron with aliens? Like, are you you just going to be like horse cops? You have a lot of questions. Like, like, how how are you going to handle this? Because I don't know, because here's the thing. I don't. Yeah. My pitch to you was the same pitch that I pitched to my wife. And you both asked the same question, which I was like, this is a fucking solid concept that, you know what I mean? Because like, I, that's what I want. When I say that two people react in the same way, (laughs) that's a control, baby. That's That's a scientific method. 
no, I thought about that. And I'm just like, look, I, I don't know. We, we should probably should sit down and figure out how to pitch this in a way that actually makes sense and not just like big dick energy. Like I walk into a room and say one word, which is yeah. a conjoined word, you know what I'm saying? And then like make, make someone else figure it out. But yeah, cause, cause what we forget or what we failed to mention about James Cameron is that he'd already made Terminator at that point, you know, like right. he, he'd made Piranha uh, 2. He did make Piranha 2, which is insane Dude. to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so he had some he had some uh, you know clout, a little bit of that piranha clout, a little bit yeah, of that yeah. clout. You know, I think uh, it's funny. Like if James Cameron would have done the alien story after only Piranha, which is itself is a sequel, right? right. Like laughed out of that fucking room. It's only yeah, because he like, made Terminator down that door. Gets on the fucking what is it like the whiteboard? It's right probably there. a chalkboard at the time and shit. <laughs> like it's all chalky. Puts and- a dollar sign through the S's, <laughs> like drugs. <laughs> All right, goddamn it, 120 million. Give it to him. He's a genius, you know. Uh, and that's what's gonna happen to us, I'm sure. But yeah, the point is this: like, we're writing stuff. We're not writing the office. That's what's gonna happen to us, I'm sure. I love, I love that confidence and energy right now. I feel like I'm gonna the, say, the, oh, it's not gonna happen. Like, I'm trying to be positive, you know. Yeah, no, like I think we should be. Uh, yeah, I'm excited that we're we're writing a thing because we wrote an initial first draft, yeah. and it's like the the first time in a while that like you know together like we've written like a thing from beginning to end like yeah. especially you and me writing together that like, was yeah, all that post biden uh good energy like when when he yeah. won we knocked that out in about three days and i was really excited about how quickly we wrote that and then yeah. we had to look at it and rework it i'm like we wrote this in three days so there's some there's some things we gotta fix about it but yeah we were kind of making up rules on the fly you know we, we were just like uh, grabbing it was like word association like why not this and we were like <laughs> okay well, it was the most fun. It's like, cause I, I, you know, we've never like ran a writing room. We've never been a part of a writing room. So it's been a lot of like, that was sort of like OJT for learning how to run something, which I think the best writing rooms are just like where people get to play, like it just makes yeah. shit up and there's no wrong answer. I mean, there's some answers that are more right than others, but like literally say whatever you fucking want. Like, uh, and that was like, I don't know, planning it was a lot of fun. Then the reality of writing is always like, ah, oh, shit, writing is not as much fun as it is to can, to fuck around with your friends and just make shit up. But there's also a different reward there, which is interesting, you know? It's just endless problem solving. Cause like when we yeah. went to like, cause like we did this first draft and then like we both kind of like collectively like kind of met up again and we're like, uh, okay, we probably need to do a complete rewrite of this because like a lot of disjointed pieces because we were writing like every other scene and like we were making up the rules as we went along or whatever yeah. uh, and like uh, ended up tasking me with like writing the first half, you're going to write the second half of this this draft or whatever and like I was going to write the first half of this draft and just doing a page one rewrite trying to solve all these problems and I just like was hating it. Like I didn't even try for the first like four days. And then eventually like I went on enough walks that I just like fucking knocked it out in like a caffeine induced frenzy. But like, yeah, just that that part of writing is both the worst and the best. It's like the best because like once you've cracked it, it's the it's a meth like high, dude. And that's the and I haven't done meth. So maybe that's a bad example. But I guess but you know what I'm saying? Like you feel so fucking accomplished when you figured out the thing that you're like, I can't do this. And then you figure it out like and it's all process oriented, you know, and I say that all the time, like trust the process, just like sit down and do it, like take your walks, do whatever you have to do. Um, And so I'm really excited. You know what I'm saying? And like most creative things, it's been really interesting to like get into creative fights with you 
to find creative solutions and shit. You know what I'm saying? And like all of our fights have been really good. They haven't been bad fights. It's just like a lot of yeah. me understanding shit. So it's like, you know, it's it's uncharted territory, but I'm doing it with my best friend, which is awesome. And right. it sort of helped me do this other thing. I'm rewriting my thing that got deleted over the summer with Mickey. And like I've it's like helped me compartmentalize because I know what I'm supposed to do. And I like trying to embolden this other person. And and so anyway, the point is this. We're writing stuff. I really hope that 2021 there was some talk in the last in episode 98 about what we were going to do with this podcast. And I feel really like re reinvigorated with it. Like, I feel like it's important to the process, not only because we already have three seasons of horse cop more or less planned out based on this podcast, right? but it's like, it's where we get to be silly and not be worried about anything. It's like, and, and this you know. is something that we should clarify, not to interrupt you, but like the, we're, we're going to be using a lot of the bits that we've done on yeah. this podcast as kind of like story ideas or story beats that we can use in this show that we're doing yeah. um so like this this podcast has kind of become like a a fertile ground for like just all this stupid shit that we come up with on the fly <laughs> like that's something we could potentially work into a a, a story which yeah, is great no it's an incubator and it's like it's thrilling i mean i'll say that seriously and uh, you know we probably should wrap it up here because one that we have no proof of concept and shit you know like mm. what i'm saying is people who are listening to this you are going to hear more about this and like hopefully as the in the coming months you'll see more we have people working on character designs i didn't tell you this but i got blender that animation software program and mm. i'm just gonna i'm just doing this thing i'm just gonna take a tutorial every fucking day on 2d animation until i have a functional shitty version that i can at least make a concept with you know what i mean and it's like i'm not waiting around for someone to give us permission to do something i think that's what's also really thrilling about this is like no we're just doing it like fuck it like we have one chance right. to do this so um, I'm excited and you know, I, I hope you are, this would be, this would be the time to tell me like I'm miserable. I sleep with a gun under my pillow. <laughs> yeah. I've been meaning to find a way to tell you, no, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm fucking, I'm loving it. And it's also, you know, you holding me accountable is forcing me to actually get something done. Yeah. Uh, which is like uh, after years and years of false starts with various projects, it's just very like gratifying to like, finally, like, okay, like somebody else is holding you accountable. You don't have a choice. It's kind of yeah. how I feel. And that's like the only reason I got those pages done. Is yeah, the, the that's the Mickey thing. Like totally. Like with that, it's like, oh shit, I have to pretend like I know what I'm doing because someone's looking at me for answers. So it's like, okay, I have to know what I'm doing. With you, it's like a mutually assured destruction thing, but like without the destruction. It's just like the idea that like, oh yeah, self-imposed deadlines have not been as kind to me as I would like, but actual hard deadlines from other people where I'm like, I respect you too much to waste your fucking time has right. been amazing. And I'm not saying everything we write is going to be amazing, but it's like, we know we have this accountability system and it helps us. So I look forward to it. I'm really excited. I am, I will tell you this, and this is my last bit on it. I can't wait till we're done with this pilot. So we can just start thinking in a stories and B stories instead of like pilots are fucking hard, man. <laughs> like they're so hard, but yeah, you've got to set up so much. And like, I, I've just been like watching different shows and different pilots and stuff. And just like, uh, utterly floored and devastated half the time by like how good and tight all of them are you know and it's like yeah. fuck like i i can't wait to like uh fine tune this enough to where it's like really really solid i, I think we're gonna get there though um i i think we're well on our way and i can't wait to share it with uh you know everyone who's listening into the world if i can be so yeah. bold so i had this weird thought um and just try to follow me because maybe I'm dumb here. Astronauts have to hold their breath for at least five minutes. Do you know that? Uh, 
for for like like in the training or or in space well in the training in order to get to space because there could right. be countless scenarios where you don't have your oxygen you need to be able to function and still work and blah blah, blah. i don't know the real science behind it but they're like here's a prerequisite astronauts you can't breathe for long periods of time to which i thought like all astronauts are aliens that's what i think how long can you hold your breath real talk yeah uh, god like i don't know like maybe two minutes if you I can hold your breath for two fucking minutes, really? You're an not. alien. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Every time I try to like hold my breath, I find like I can maybe get to 45 seconds and I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. And then I start breathing. Um, you, okay, what's that look? Are you just like, well, that's what happens when you, uh, what's your deal? What's your deal? Are you doing it right was, now? Oh, oh. well, back. you have to tell me. You can't just do it. I what's, your little, what's your I deal? I could put you a little stop clock on the corner of the screen or something. <laughs> Just while you like cheer me on, it would be like really fun for a podcast listener. Theater audience. of the mind. <laughs> you have to imagine <laughs> Max turning blue. <laughs> no, but that's my thing. So it's like everyone listening, go and stop watch yourself on how long you can breathe. It's my supposition that regular ass people can hold their breath for about a minute tops. Okay, so yeah. when you hear about five, six minutes, my supposition on that, aliens already. Everyone, yeah. pans, what is it called? Uh, panspermia or something like that? Like the idea that life came from a different place. Like uh, there's this big theory out there that life on Earth came from Mars. Back when Mars had water and stuff like that, it got hit with asteroids that expelled dust into the thing. And millions so it's always millions an asteroid. It's such a such an easy plot device that NASA leans on. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, it was an asteroid, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, what killed the dinosaurs? Uh, asteroids. Fuck it. Uh, what created the moon? Uh, asteroid. Asteroids. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, fuck, you're right. This is like they're really leaning on this crutch. This is this is like the long lost brother, twin brother shit. You know, <laughs> like right. what's going on? Yeah. Like, like what is this? Like a space uh, opera? Apparently, I don't know. I mean, but, so I think about that, and I'm just like, okay, I think that aliens totally exist, and they're already among us, and there there are aliens. They're us. They're well, no, they're not us. But, they look but, like us, some of us, right? But some of us have that real alien DNA. Like some after that 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 space life came here and mingled with like the remnants of the dinosaur stuff and then some of the whales and shit like that, that's fine. But then the other people resisted all of those biological inlets, right? So they just became fucking gray almond-eyed aliens in disguise. I'm not trying to divert you at it all. It seems here, like you're trying I... to divert me, but go on. Well, I just had this flashback to a movie, a movie classic that I hadn't thought about in literally like 17 years or whenever it came out. Men of Honor. With, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm thinking about the same thing because they, they yeah. have a whole deal about how you have to hold your breath for like five minutes underwater right. in that fucking movie. And, I agree with fuck, you. Fucking De Niro is like going nuts like because they, they like they're, they're Navy SEALs or something like proto like the early version of Navy the Seals. deep sea divers. And, yeah. Where they put yeah, the helmet yeah. on you. Yeah. And, and and they like do this contest where like uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. versus uh, <laughs> Robert De Niro and they like get in a thing and they put water in the helmet and it's just them like fucking like white knuckling it or whatever. And then like Robert De Niro is just like, yeah. Yeah, cookie, I'm doing it. I'm gonna do it. Like he's talking in this southern accent. Underwater, like, by the way. Yeah. And it's like either the worst performance he's ever given or maybe the best. And I don't oh, it's know. great. Oh, it's great. I agree. So it it rides that, that line. Guys, those two guys were aliens, is what you're saying. I think that they yeah, totally, totally. And what I think it's funny I'm about that. To bring it back. 
to you. Like, I, I'm not trying to divert you, Bubby. I no, I appreciate it because that's an actually really interesting thing. One, for a couple of reasons. You want to talk toxic masculinity. Like, their way of solving a fucking problem was to say, like, who could drown themselves the quickest right. or who well, can not drown like themselves. A bar? Like, wasn't that like the... the- <laughs> deal was like this is a bar that's outfitted with the capability to have like a like a bull riding competition but it's not that it's for the navy seal people right and they have like uh, like actual fucking government issued equipment ready to go at any point in that watertight helmets that fill up with water and you see how long somebody can hold their breath in the water do you think that started off noble? They're like, well, we got to, they're Navy, they're Navy sailmen. They're, what are they going to do? They're going to sit there and drink until something happens. We got to see if they can breathe or hold their breath while they're inebriated. So like it started off noble and then it just very quickly devolved into pissing contests and shit. Was that also like, was there like a racial element in that movie? Was that like uh, De Niro's beef with Cuba Gooding Jr.? That's the whole the fucking crutch of the movie. Yeah. It, I, it, it's, I haven't seen it since like 2003 or whatever. This is like, kind of my fucking point, which I think it's hysterical that De Niro is like, and look, is he is he one? Is he being a racist or two? Is he being someone who's like, look, in order to be a Navy a deep oh, seal diver, like Fletcher from Whiplash, where it's like he's secretly trying to like prod Cuba Gooding Jr. to be in. The he's best. bringing the best out of him. Yeah, yeah. Can like, I just oh, tell I'm you, a racist, but like he like secretly is like good job. I think so because that scene is the is the moment where De Niro begrudgingly has to respect him, if you recall, and then that starts the moment where yeah. the ice begins to thaw a little bit because at the end well, of the well, movie, like, De Niro like he, he's like bleeding out of his nose and he like passes out or whatever, and yeah. like, he, he's like ah, he's like freaking out because they're both drowning. They're both. <laughs> 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 the cube is drowning to death and still has care and <laughs> compassion for De Niro, who, by the way, is like 27 years older at the time of the film yeah. than Cuba Gooding Jr. and shit. I, I, I feel know. like at, at that point, it's a Pyrrhic victory because like De Niro's already like fucking got you beat. There's no way you're doing that shit in 27. <laughs> I like that. Again, it was like still racist time. So it's like if De Niro would have died. They would have probably sent Cooper Gooding Jr. to jail for that. Like you baited a white man into a breathing contest, right. you know? <laughs> Homicide by contest, or I don't know. Um, I think about that all the time because my dad, like, I watched that movie a lot when I was young because Jeff likes that movie inexplicably. You watched it a lot. <laughs> Jeff likes that movie inexplicably. Okay. You know how like Jeff doesn't like anything, but he likes like four things a lot, like too yeah, much. Yeah. This was one of those things, except that he would get mad that I thought it was funny that De Niro was calling Cuba Gooding Jr. Cookie. <laughs> Which to be to be clear, not Cookie so because he's like black. That that was not a fever dream. He did call him Cookie in that movie. Because I oh remember my God. Him, okay. like, crazed Southern accent. I'm saying, sorry. Hey, I'm sorry to go away from the astronauts and maybe we'll return, but now we need to really just put all hands on deck, pun intended. Taking a memory tour of uh, Men of Honor. Men of Honor has this whole thing where Cuba Gooding Jr. plays the first black man who's trying to be a deep sea diver and he faces all, I know this is funny because I was thinking about Horse Cop. I was like, oh, I could do the Men of Honor thing. So it's like he faces all this adversity going to training and how Hal Brook uh, is a piece of shit to him. Rest in peace to Hal. And because uh, he plays like the deep sea diver who fucking hates him and shit like that. And he doesn't want him to pass him no matter what. And De Niro eventually passes the man. Now, what happens? He gets eventually fucking he gets to go out in the deep sea and then he has a, a, a diving accident. He breaks his leg, severs it. It needs to be amputated. Right. And he's mm. never going to dive again, except he's like, fuck that. I'm going to dive again. And. De Niro, who is now recovered from his alcoholism, decides he's going to like be his Mick 
You know, he's going to be his coach and like get him there. And it all culminates into a, 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 a David E. Kelly show stopping fucking legal courtroom drama where he has to stand up and take 10 steps in the like thousand pound suit. Right. I do remember this. Holy shit. Goddamn. I'm, I'm watching this movie tonight. Like I, you, I think you have to now hold on. This is the part that Jeff gets mad at me about because there's a part where Cuba Gooding Jr. has to stand up and he can't do it assisted. He's got to stand up and just that opening shot. They like, let you know, Oh my God, this is so hard. He's like sweating and he can't do it. Like and and stuff. Yeah. He takes one step. He's like, oh, like he's going to die and shit like that. And De Niro's counting him out. He's like two. <laughs> and then he gets to like four or five and then his knee buckles and he's like, God damn it. Cookie. I want my 10 steps. And he's just yelling at him. And I'm like, well, to be clear, Jeff, he's calling him cookie because he's a cook, not because it's like a black thing, I guess. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? But right. like, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with it because I'm like, God damn it. De Niro gets to stay being a racist at the same time that he's a good guy. That's, right. that's character. He's the master of both worlds. He's just as comfortable at an NAACP he meeting as he is at a clan meeting. Like right. De Niro's the real hero of that story. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he's got a foot, foot in one foot in each territory, and you know what? He's pulling it off. He's walking that line. He's also uh, married to Charlize Theron in that movie. If you want to also have a fucking fever dream, when you're like, wait, what? She's like forty years younger than him. I think, I think like thirty, but still, it's like not an insignificant number. And is that like a, a mirror of the times? We're like, again, there's this creepy like we can follow women and like fucking, we'll marry him off when they're seventeen years old. Why not? I mean, Charlize at that point was just really like playing a wife character in everything, right? Yeah, and, like, yeah. Bagger Vance. <laughs> yeah, Bagger Vance, uh, fucking devil's advocate. She oh, yeah. plays Keanu's wife. See, they actually gave her something to do in that movie, though. You know, like have a what, go insane. Yeah, go insane. <laughs> yeah, to like rip out her own fallopian tubes or whatever. That's what I remember about that movie. I'm like, whoa. Well, yeah, like the devil like gives her like a a, a dream about it or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah well, the, like the well, she she walks into a room and there's just a baby sitting there playing with something. She's like, "What do you got there?" And then just fallopian tubes. tubes. She's like, "Ah, yeah. terrifying." She's like, "Ah," and then yeah. Keanu Reeves like, "Why are you so upset?" I'm Keanu. Like, calm down. I'm just a lawyer, right? Well, with an accent. Like, you're trying to oh, fucking yeah, paint over the fact that he has a southern accent in that film. He's trying anyway. He's trying his best. He's from Jacksonville in that movie. Keanu doing any accent in any movie is just the most wonderful thing in the world. Can we just like briefly talk about like, I don't want to bring it back to cyberpunk too much, but like that might be my favorite Keanu performance ever. And I don't know it's, if it's because I don't know how far you are, you are into the game. Uh, I'm getting pretty far. I've seen a couple of twists and turns with old Johnny Silverhands or whatever his fucking name is in that movie. <laughs> Johnny Silverhands. <laughs> That's his name, right? Johnny Silverhands? I feel like that's totally his name. Without the S, yeah. Johnny Silverhand. What is he, Native American? Like the Native Americans have gone cyberpunk as well. They're like, Johnny Silverhand. Like, that's what it is. One silver hand. That's why. It sounds like a surname. It sounds like fucking flies with wings or some shit. You know what I mean? But like with the cyberpunk world, like there were new indigenous tribes that sprouted up from the technological boom. The Silverhand tribe. (laughs) <laughs> the silver hands try. I like that he's got one, but they still pluralized it. Like, cause he means business. Okay. <laughs> like, you fuck around with this guy. I only brought this up just to say that I, I think it's like maybe my favorite performance by the guy. And like, you know, people talk shit. And maybe it's just because they put all the digital muck over mm-hmm. his face to like cover up his actual performance. But yeah. uh, it works for me. And he shows up a lot. 
I like him in Neon Demon a lot. I think he's very creepy. He's barely in that movie, but he is really weird and spooky in that movie. Yeah, well, I mean, spooky is one word for it. Uh, rapey. Pedophilic? Pedophile. Yeah, I was going to say that's what I was going for. <laughs> oh, so pedophiles aren't creepy? No, pedophile, pedophiles can be charming as well, fuck, well, apparently. Well, yeah, like when I think of spooky, I think of like, you know, like a, a spooky ghost going. Like Vincent Ooh. Price. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just coming out. It's, it's, it's the Adams spooky. family. You know? <laughs> It's like the, do you think the Adams family are annoyed by that because they're like, well, we're ooky. That is a really apt descriptor of the Adams family. Spooky, ooky. like <laughs> spooky, yeah. just because it rhymes. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Is ooky a real word? Because that's always bothered me. Because it's like they're creepy and they're kooky. Okay. Well, sure. Creepy, fine. Kooky. Uh, I don't know the rest of it. Something about spooky, and then they're all together ooky. Yeah, it's just are they just saying that like any word that ends with uki which out of the two that we've already said is a descriptor of weirdness everybody was on barbiturates back then they were all just drinking and smoking constantly like they, they that's the best part of it is like all the shit all the art that like the wholesome america grew up with in the 50s and 60s and shit was purely fueled by uppers man like and it's it's the greatest feeling in the world to know like you remember at the like, end of apocalypse now downers. yeah it's crazy the end of apocalypse now is this fucking sta- i think it's staggering where it's just like oh they're all silhouetted by the f- the fires of the villages that they just set and it's all these like kids and they're m-i-c-e-u-i-m-o-u-s-e mickey mouse and you're just like oh shit but they're full metal jacket full metal jacket not apocalypse now i'm so sorry you're right you're right you're right you're right thank you uh and it's like i love that scene so much because you remember for half a second like oh they're 19 <laughs> like they're they're kids like they they don't have and then what we know about it is that disney's been in the business of propaganda since like world war ii and shit so the idea of like oh going back to this wholesome childhood which is a purely manufactured thing that doesn't really exist that we all buy into it, like that always stuck with me. I feel that same fucking way about everything. I dream a genie fucking, uh, you know, 50, 60 stuff. We're completely fueled by like barbiturates. You're absolutely right. But we look at that as like, oh, that was the wholesome times the leave it to beaver times. There were some like bizarre fucking shows that came out of that that time period, like fitting within the sitcom formula or whatever. Like for every Andy Griffith show that you had, you had something like uh, Bewitched, I Dream of Jeannie. Um, <laughs> fucking The Flintstones is a bizarre ass show. The Jetsons, we've talked about both of these, but like, yeah. and probably many more examples. The Adams Family, like all these, like, and most of them were metaphors for communism or capitalism or like why one was better than the other. But end of the day they were all drug fueled they were all insane none of them made any goddamn sense and everybody just ate it up that's it that's the end of my rant no i well because i like the idea that like yeah they were all these thinly veiled metaphors for like a preferred economic system but it's just like is there anything worse than that guy who's just done a line of coke at the party who's trying to talk to you about Marx? no there isn't well maybe the guy who's trying to tell me about the wealth of nations that guy is somehow more intolerable and insufferable uh and so i don't know i think about that shit all the time where it's just like man all the things that we were fed as wholesome apple pie american content was like really sort of fucked up and and then like even the things fetishizing that happy days comes out in the 70s talking about the 50s and it's this very sanitized version but we all know like the 70s was the height of this counterculture well kind of the death rattle of this counterculture movement right that was happening at the time and so it's just very interesting to me that like we've never had a pure time 
in, in yeah, any I of mean, our entertainment, you know, I, I actually did want to talk about this a little bit. Um, I've been kind of on lockdown for the past couple months because coronavirus cases are spiking like crazy in my neck of the woods. It's also been cold as fuck. Uh, so I've been hunkering down and just like really taking advantage of the fact that I have the Criterion channel yeah. and just like watching a shitload of mo- I've watched like 20 movies in the past like couple weeks alone. And uh, just like I, I always forget this, but like watching f- movies out of the 40s and 50s, so many of them were like surprisingly like modern and transgressive and like you know, yeah, yeah. dealing with some pretty big, crazy ideas that you wouldn't expect. Like you always expect them to be something less than what they are. But like I always forget this and then remember once I watch them like, oh, shit, like people had ideas back then you know that they they weren't all just a bunch of fucking uh, don drapers trying to sell us on uh, cigarettes and painting what's the first version of that that you remember that applies to real life and and i'll give you an example and maybe it'll help um i i just remember the idea of like teen pregnancy teen pregnancy was this thing that you heard about all the time like parents didn't want their kids to become pregnant right we grew up in florida where not always to be fair okay but there was this really strong emphasis we've talked about the mendez program that came in Christian-run group that try to talk about abstinence in a public school. So that's really weird to me, right? The idea is that they would always spin it as your generation, parents would, is more promiscuous. Your generation makes more mistakes. But then we'll watch something like American Graffiti or any of those examples, and we're like, that's not true. Last picture show. That's mm-hmm. not true. Like kids have always been kids. Teenagers have always been teenagers making the same fucking mistakes, but we get lied to about that. You know what I'm saying? And so when you right. watch this movie and you're surprised at how, um, like you said, transgressive it is, I think that's an interesting uh, thing to observe because it reminds you that like, no, we've been lied to about this golden age when things were cool. Right. It's like this Where has always been super sanitized and like right. super pristine or whatever. And like Night of the Hunter is an example. Like I don't know if you know what that's about, but it's about this like serial killing preacher who like believes in God and believes that God wants him to murder women. And like, he ends up like killing, uh, he ends up marrying into this family with these two children uh, who have hidden money away. Like their, their dad has passed away and like gave them money to hide and the kids know where the money is. And he ends up like marrying the mom, killing the mom. uh, And then like fucking chasing these kids down the river or whatever. And it's like this fifties movie about this serial killer trying to kill children. uh, Who's like, uh, talking to god the whole time believing that god is like willing him to do this and it's like it's dealing with like you know religion it's dealing with uh, serial killing and it's all in the 50s and it's like i didn't know that this shit you know was 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 going on back then that's impressive it actually sounds really amazing i mean yeah. i went on a detour for half a second thinking like so it's like a male joan of arc do they kill him don't ruin this for me i guess i just like uh, no i won't well, well like the, the best thing about that movie and like I, I i know i've like talked your ear off about it is that like it's just got this dreamlike uh fucking surrealist imagery mm-hmm. like it almost reminded me of like uh cabinet of dr caligari up to oh, a point shit. But, like, that's what you should have led with that yeah yeah like, um it's like got like this very expressionist lighting and everything and it's like done by this first time director who like and when it came out people didn't like it so he never directed another thing and died like eight years later but uh yeah it's really fucking sad but it's like van gogh right like or he's just he died penniless i i think about that all the time because i'm like oh god is that gonna be us probably not but uh (laughs) but i think about (laughs) that gonna be us immediately answered nah (laughs) you have to pretend like i'll I'll be delusional because that's gonna fuel me somehow you know yeah no Um, i mean i i like that spirit Plus, you know, Van Gogh, he was fucking crazy. Right. He had the mental He's illness. A nerd. Going again. <laughs> 
like, yeah, the mental illness was bad, but you know what really held him back? Fucking nerd. <laughs> he wasn't such a nerd. <laughs> Poor guy. And yet now super famous Melville. Everyone knows Melville now. No one gave a shit when he died. Like I find that really interesting is like some people come around later and d- decide, hey, this is this is worth mentioning. I had this real I had this thing is weird. I was driving through Highland Park the other day and they have a Native American museum there. And it's weird because when we think about American history, Mm. we tend to think like, well, you know, America doesn't have the culture that Europe has because it's only 200 and something years old, completely omitting, you know, the people who are here for thousands of years who absolutely built a a really complex and sophisticated culture. It just doesn't look like our idea of what sophistication and and all that is. The whitewashing of history uh, teaches us that, oh, they were just all living in teepees and like drawing things on cave walls or something. That's basically what we were taught in school, which is disgusting, you know, like knowing what I know now. And like you said, like they just had a very different version of what we would consider to be like, you know, traditional culture. Yeah, no, I, I, but I'm fascinated by that because it immediately puts you in your place where you're just like, oh, I was told it's the prescribed thing. Someone came along. If someone now like, and this would be a good example of it because absolutely we should acknowledge these people's accomplishments and what they did while they were here instead of sweeping it under a rug. Like, well, that didn't matter until the Wyatt showed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but it's the same thing with uh, this director or Melville or any Van Gogh. It's like someone came along after the fact and then said, this has value. And then we all sort of bought in on that. And it's like, it's a purely arbitrary, ephemeral, subjective thing. And yet, yeah. like, I don't think Van Gogh's ever going to be forgotten now. He became so important so quickly that it seems like his stuff's never going to be out of favor. I feel really bad for the people like that director, you know what I'm saying, who died penniless. And I'm glad you're discovering it now, but it seems by and large, that's not a film that's going to be discovered and celebrated like fucking Casablanca or Gone with the Wind or any of these other once again, prescribed masterpieces, quote unquote, that we're supposed to. And I love Casablanca. I don't love Gone with the Wind. That's my mm-hmm. example of like someone tells me I'm supposed to like Gone with the Wind and I don't. Well, get it. It, it has like gained a lot of uh, esteem and like whatever um, in recent years. So so we'll see. Like, hopefully it does stand the test of time, but it probably won't on the same level of like Casablanca. But hey, like that's the joy of the digital age. You know, if they never make another movie, at least we'll have like a whole fucking lifetime's worth of shit to get caught up on. You know what they need to do is VR old films where you can be in the old films. You know what I'm saying? Jump inside that shit. Would that not be fucking dope as hell? Like Like, VR, like 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 that scene in Ready Player One with the fucking Shining, but like Nosferatu or like uh, that. That's more what I'm thinking of. Or like her 50s noirs. Like I would have to be in the Third Man by Carol Reed, just hang out with the fat Orson Welles and shit. Like that is interesting to me. That's what I want to happen. Let me ask you, are you like talking to Orson Welles? Are you participating in the story or are you just like a passive observer? Are you a Greek chorus? You know, like, like I think I think it's it's just like Minority Report. Like you get to choose your involvement level. You know what I mean? If you just want to be like Sam, just like I'm playing piano in Casablanca or something, you can do that. Right. But if you want to be uh, like he, he did Saturday night. um, what is that fucking or te- no touch of evil touch of evils charlton heston like you want to be charlton heston talking opposite orson wells you can be charlton heston talking opposite orson wells if you want to be i think we yeah. need to make it that um that fully realized and that uh interactive that we could just do that you know i mean that that that's the dream maybe not the dream but a dream like i i want vr to get to that level and to be used like that you know like i want to be able to live in a detective story you know i want to i want to fight in world war ii but the fun version not the real version 
I want to storm the beaches of Normandy knowing full well that nothing bad's going to happen to me. Because, like, yeah. I, I wanted to write a story once. See, and like, You want to experience the visceral horrors of war without the consequence. I get you. Okay. Because, like, if you took – say what you want about that Saving Private Ryan movie. If you took that opening scene and made it fucking virtual reality where you're Tom Hanks' character and just fucking legs are blown off and shit, and you're like, oh, my God. I always wanted to write this story fucking where it's terrible. Like, no, that's what I'm saying. I wanted yeah. to write the story where they like pump. It's like brothers go to war together and they're on the same U-boat as they're about to hit the beaches. But as soon as that thing goes down, one of them gets killed because it's not something you ever see. But by the way, happened a lot. Like a lot of people didn't last more than 15 seconds on those beaches, which right. makes that whole Normandy thing way more impressive after the fact. If you really think about it, it's just like we just threw people at a fucking problem until enough people made it to this little beach line. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. I, I know like like that that was kind of the the going strategy and like Russian uh soldiers especially like I know they weren't at Normandy but like goddamn they they were sending them in there without bullets for their for their rifles just sending bodies in to like overwhelm the forces because that's all they had uh I just recently rewatched and this is a movie I bugged you about like a little while ago uh come and see um which is still like the most horrifying war film i've ever fucking seen but it's about like the belarusian villages uh during the nazi occupation and like how it was just these like ragtag like groups of like you know 10 year old end up like soldiers just like going to war like fucking getting whatever guns they could out of the sand you know like fucking just uh banding together Back when men were men, I'm telling you, you know, back when you could just do that, you can give a 10 year old a gun and it was fine. You know, if more 10 year olds had guns, we wouldn't have these shooting problems, I think. Yeah. If we, if we just had like a fucking Stalin up in there, you know, it would be a lot <laughs> better. That's all I'm saying. That's the kind of leadership we need. That decisive action. That man of steel. He really, that's literally what I think Stalin translates to or Superman lied to me. But I think, I think it's man of steel is what well, Stalin means. Yeah, they, that's what they called him anyway. They did uh, Man of Steel. So, was he like the yeah. Carnegie of Russia? He was just going around hiring like Russian Pinkertons to start fights with people and shit. Like, <laughs> I just want to know because like that's like that's the American that's like cute story. Like Carnegie's a piece of shit. We all sort of like Carnegie, the idea that he represents, but a bad person, I think, pretty right. hardcore. Uh, but then you compare it to like the Russian Carnegie or whatever, and you're like, well. It could have always been worse, you know. Yeah. Like at least we were here. I wanted to look up Siberia on more vodka and genocide. <laughs> I wanted to look up Siberia on a map, like on Google Earth, just to see how desolate it is. Because I did that with Australia the other day. I was like, I want to go to Australia, and I for some reason I had Google Earth on my phone. I'm like Australia, and then I cl I clicked in on it. And here's the thing: we think of Sydney, and we think of uh, Brisbane, and we think of what's the other one, Melbourne. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, you know, like there's some desert in Australia, but there's some green stuff, too. You ever looked at a map of Australia? Green here, here, here. Desert. 90% of that fucking thing's a desert. It's horrifying. I don't know. Like that Wake and Fright movie that you made me watch years ago seems yeah. way scarier now because it's like, oh, God, you could go in any direction for days and you wouldn't necessarily see anything different in the Australian. Yeah, that, that's like a big part of the terror of that movie is this like a FET teacher gets stuck in the middle of the continent. Um and it's just nothing but desert for like miles and miles and miles and miles. And that was one thing I was taught when I was a kid is like, you know, some some Australian towns are like days away from each other, like like from one town to the next. 
That's crazy. horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah. Well, it also makes sense, which is like, why don't we just abandon Australia? Like, there's no point. Clearly, we're not meant to it's be. A, yeah, <laughs> it's a nightmare. It's a fucking night. Like, all the animals there are just terrible. It would be, it's as inhospitable as the fucking Sahara Desert, but like as an island. Like, that's the truth, except for these very brief, like little uh, air bubbles, if you will, where you could like get up there and be like, okay, we're fine for a second. And even them littered with spiders that could kill you and shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's literally like you took like Kong Skull Island and made it a continent (laughs) and uh, put some desert in there too, just to make it extra shitty. And uh, that's Australia. And then let's just dump all of our criminals there. Right. <laughs> let them fend for themselves. I actually, that's the one thing I actually really like about Australia uh, is that it, it's the punk rock continent for sure. Like, because right. they built themselves without, uh, like, without permission uh, out of dirt. You know what I mean? Like, literal. I, like, I feel like the Wild West is still alive, even though that's like as far east as it gets almost, you know, like in Australia. Like, like if there's like a final frontier, we got to go. Like it, go. It's not Montana. It's out Outback, son. You see the proposition, Java. right? Like the yeah. Guy Pierce Western. Fucking yes. Let's make that happen. Like now. Like I mean, now. They were, having a, they were having a great time in that movie. <laughs> they made it look very appealing and not at all horrible. Uh, I, whatever, you know, call me old fashioned. I just, I want to live in a world of magic. (laughs) Do you think all like, uh, all, all of that kind of magical realism stuff, like African magical realism, Australian magical realism was just like people stroking out from the sun and stuff. And like, just started seeing like talking cacti and shit like that. Right. Yeah. It was probably like a a combination of like massive dehydration, heat stroke, dysentery. And like, they were actually touching like a hallucinogenic cactus at the same time. So it was just a shit show. Does it make you more impressed or angry at our forefathers? Like Charlie the Caveman and his caravan of other cave people walked over that really treacherous. You read Sapiens, right? They talk about that. That walking to Australia was as pivotal a moment for our species as getting to the fucking moon, which right. is like hard for us to really quantify. But it's like, oh, that's amazing. Do you think like, oh, that's really impressive, even more so because like. We have modern technology now, and if you put me in the modern world in the middle of the Australian outback now, I I'm dead in two days easily. Like I know myself, I'm dead. Okay, but yeah. this this they they somehow crossed an ocean that was treacherous and this wide to get over, and then somehow made you know a living out, out of Australia. Which we were talking about the bugs in Australia when we made it there a hundred thousand years ago were just huge. Were like like six foot centipedes and shit like that, and yeah, it was like hell on earth. Charlie literally. Cave man didn't give a fuck. He was just out there. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, I don't know. We're fine. This is all we know. <laughs> well, because where do they leave? Like, where, where? What's the land bridge? Asia or something? Like, yeah, there's probably more fucked up shit there. It was just like the Earth was just an inhospitable hellhole, no matter where you were. The Earth was like Game of Thrones before the events of Game of Thrones. Like all the giant magic bugs, <laughs> giant bears, giant everything, woolly mammoths, like. Oh, those are the cool ones. Woolly mammoths, we got to bring back. And I think we have scientifically. We like grabbed the DNA of an elephant and grabbed a mammoth DNA. We made one. Yeah. I think. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to make some more, I, I bet. And I hear we're going to make dinosaurs too. I, I don't know if we talked about this on, on this podcast. I don't podcast. think we did. I think you sent it to me and I was resisting making the, the Ian Malcolm joke. But the truth, the truth really is like, you know, we talk about this all the time. We talked about how Hollywood has this uncanny ability to create our worst nightmares. And then we have 
we we have like amnesia but, but, but then we have that. like an elon musk type uh character in the real world who's like hey but wouldn't it be cool if we actually did it <laughs> and it's like no there's a well, very clear set of reasons why we shouldn't right well i think that's what's interesting like we have debates here in la people are like these coyotes are getting out of hand we gotta do something about these coyotes and I'm just like, well, they're indigenous to here. Like we came here like and and furthermore, they actually have a they help us dramatically in our ecosystem in L.A. Like if the coyotes weren't here, we'd have a lot more of rodents and and, and like other infestations. Right. And it's like when I was talking about wolves, yeah. like wolves play this really important role. You take one thing out of an ecosystem and then suddenly there is this like domino effect of shit that happens. You yeah. add dinosaurs like the greatest predators who have ever lived. Do you think that's overblown? Dinosaurs come back and they're just chill as fuck. Like raptors are docile. They hang out and like play volleyball. Like shit. Rex like right out of the gate, just like trips and falls. And it's just like <laughs> a year of it, like getting up like a weeble wobble. Yeah. Like just the clumsiest pieces of shit in the world. Well, see, I'm scared of that scenario because it's like once this dinosaur fucking manages to balance in a hundred something years or something, we're all fucked. But for that hundred years, entertaining. It's going to be right. great. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think about it all the time. And I'm like, well, if that's going to happen, I mean, you got to admit this. Like, it's it's weird that our speculative fiction, our sci-fi has become our like our science roadmap. reality very quickly. You know, and like if we're all going to die, at least we, we get to say, well, we saw dinosaurs. That's pretty metal, you know? Yeah. So, so I mean, like, I feel like the lesson here that, that we've, you know, learned is that, you know, in a few years, it's inevitable that we will get a cyberpunk hellhole universe with dinosaurs and VR. So, yeah. like, if it ever gets too shitty or too real in the cyberpunk uh, Jurassic Park world, just get slip on those goggles, go into back, <laughs> way back when Humphrey Bogart times, baby. I, which by the way we're telling people to escape their reality by going back to a nazi occupied africa i'm just throwing that out there you're like ah the good old days i mean i feel like we might you know on the track that we're going bubby we might start pining for those old nazi houses. the old nazi days where you had like buildings to last <laughs> you know? Burrito!